The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the London Visited Podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we're looking at Savile Row, which is a street in Mayfair, which is known principally for its traditional bespoke tailoring for men. The street has a varied history that has included accommodating the headquarters of the Royal Geographic Society at 1 Savile Row, where significant British explorations to Africa and the South Pole were planned. And more recently, the Apple Office of the Beatles at 3 Savile Row, where the band's impromptu final live performance was held on the roof of the building. Originally named Savile Street, it was built between 1731 and 1735 as part of the development of the Burlington Estate. It was designed under the influence of Burlington's interpretation of Palladian architecture known as Burlington Union. Henry Flitchcroft, under the supervision of Daniel Garrett, appears to have been the main architect, though 1 and 22 to 23 Savile Row were designed by William Kent. Initially, the street was occupied mainly by military officers and their wives. Later, William Pitt the Younger and Irish-born playwright and MP Richard Brinsley Sheridan were residents. Taylor started doing business in the area in the late 18th century, first in Cork Street and about 1790, and then in 1803 in Savile Row itself. In 1846, Henry Poor, later credited as the creator of the dinner jacket, opened an entrance to Savile Row from his tailoring premises in Old Burlington Street. Founded in 1849 by Henry Huntsman, H. Huntsman and Sons moved to number 11 Savile Row with the ending of the war in 1919. During the First World War, Huntsman's was the tailor to the military, producing dress uniforms for British officers throughout the conflict. In 1969, Nutters of Savile Row modernised the style and approach of traditional Savile Row tailoring, a modernisation that continued into the 1990s with the new bespoke movement, involving the designers Richard James, Oswald Boateng, and Timothy Everest. The term bespoke, as applied to fine tailoring, is understood to have originated in Savile Row and came to mean a suit cut and made by hand. Savile Row runs parallel to Regent Street between Conduit Street at the northern end and Vigo Street at the southern. Linking roads include New Burlington Place, New Burlington Street, Boyle Street and Clifford Street. The freehold is owned by the Pollen Estate. In 2016, Westminster City Council commenced attempts to protect the street's tailoring heritage under the Savile Row SPA, Special Policy Area. As of August 2014, Norway's oil fund, the world's largest sovereign wealth fund, had acquired a 57.8% interest in the Poland estate. This includes properties in Mayfair, among which is Savile Row. The first house in what would become Savile Row was a fine house and ground built in 1674 on the site of what is now Number 1, and occupied by a series of nobles until it was demolished in 1730 in preparation for the laying out of houses 
on the east of Savile Row in 1731. Savile Row was built between 1731 and 1735 on freehold land known as the 10 acres belonging to a merchant tailor, William Maddox, as part of the development of the Burlington Estate and is named after Lady Dorothy Savile, wife of the third Earl of Burlington. Maddox's land, consisting mainly of fruit and other trees covering what would become Savile Row and the streets around, some of which is still owned by his descendants as the Pollen Estate, when initially laid out under the name Savile Street, Savile Row ran from Burlington Gardens, then Virgo Lane, to Boyle Street, with houses only on its east side. But in the 19th century, houses were built on the west side. Initially, the street was occupied by military officers and their wives, along with politicians. William Pitt the Younger wrote letters from the street when it was called Savile Street. Irish-born playwright and MP, Richard Brinsley Sheridan, lived at number 14 Savile Row in 1813 to 1816 till his death. Jules Verne had Phileas Fogg, his lead character in Around the World in 80 Days, live at 7 Savile Row, a fashionable address, and the former home of Sheridan. It may have been the affluent and influential nature of the residents of Savile Row that first attracted dealers in luxury goods to the area. Tailors started to take premises around Savile Row in the late 18th century, first in Cork Street about 1790, and then by 1803 in Savile Row itself. In 1846, Henry Paul, credited as the creator of the dinner jacket or tuxedo, opened an entrance at 37 Savile Row from his late father's tailoring premises at 4 Old Burlington Street. As tailoring moved into the street, the house frontages were altered to bring natural light to the tailor's working area, with the addition of glass frontages and light wells. The houses have been much altered over the time, and the original Burlington Alien design has been mainly lost, though number 14 still retains much of the original external features. The Royal Geographical Society occupied number one from 1870 to 1912, from where significant British exploration was planned, including into Asia, Africa, and the South Pole, and according to the society, the address became associated with adventure and travel. David Livingston was laid out in state at the society's headquarters before being buried in Westminster Abbey. In 1871, shortly after the Royal Geographical Society moved into Savile Row, so did the Savile Club, a gentleman's club founded in 1868 as the new club. Occupying rooms overlooking Trafalgar Square, it changed to its current name during its residence at 12 Savile Row retaining the name when it moved to the 1882 premises in Piccadilly. Savile Row was extended to Conduit Street in 1937 to 1938, and by 1939, the Metropolitan Police Station was constructed on the corner of Boyle Street. This police station was damaged in another German bombing raid in September 1940, during which the building opposite, number 21A, was destroyed, as was number seven earlier that month. Fortress House, an eight-storey block of offices faced with Portland Stone, was constructed at 23 Savile Row in 1949-1950 and occupied by a series of government ministries, ending with a long period of occupation by the English heritage into 2006. It was demolished in 2009 and replaced with a new mixed-use development designed by Eric Parry Architects. In July 1968, the Beatles moved Apple Corp, their multimedia corporation, into three Savile Row. A studio was built in the basement. Though it was poorly designed, the Beatles recorded Let It Be There before a new studio was constructed in 1971 at an estimated cost of $1.5 million. Various artists, including Badfinger, 
Mary Hopkin and Mark Bolan, recorded in the basement studio until it closed in May 1975. The Beatles' final live performance, known as the Rooftop Concert, was held on the roof of the building on the 30th of January 1969 and was recorded for the documentary film Let It Be. The last words of the band, spoken by John Lennon as the police stopped the performance, were, I hope we pass the audition. In 1969, Nutters of Savile Row modernised the style and approach of traditional tailors, a modernisation which continued in the 1990s with a new bespoke movement involving the designers Richard James, Oswald Boating and Timothy Everest. With increasing rents and criticisms from Giorgio Armani of falling behind the times, the numbers of tailors in Savile Row had declined to 19 in 2006, from approximately 40 in the 1950s. However, tailoring businesses have increased since 2006. As of October 2014, a local online directory listed 44 tailoring and clothing businesses on and around Savile Row. Some tailors had expressed concern in 2005 that an increase in commercial development in the area could lead to the death of the business locally, as tailors, many of whom traditionally manufacture their suits in their premises, in basement studios, could be priced out of the local property market. The Savile Row Bespoke Association was founded in 2004 to protect and develop bespoke tailoring as practiced in Savile Row and the surrounding streets. The member tailors were typically required to put at least 50 hours of hand labor into each two-piece suit. The association, along with the owners, the Pollen Estate, is working in partnership with Westminster Council to protect the street's tailoring heritage under the Savile Row SPA Special Policy Area. The association objected to the American retailer Abercrombie & Fitch's plan to open a children's store at 3 Savile Row, concerned that chain stores entering the street would drive up rents and took part in what was then a successful protest in 2012. However, Abercrombie & Fitch were allowed to move in and set up a children's store in 2013, although it has since closed. Starting in 1946, 14 Savile Row was the home of Hardy Amy's Fashion House, which changed ownership several times over the course of its history. In 2018, the company went into administration for a second time and was attempting to sell its assets in 2019. The Savile Row store was closed in March 2019 and the space taken over by Hackett London in June as its flagship store. The original architecture for Savile Row is believed to have been drawn up by Colin Campbell, with Henry Flitcroft as the main architect of the street, under the supervision of Daniel Garrett, though 1 and 22 to 23 Savile Row were designed by William Kent, who moved into number 2. These architects were all under the influence of Burlington's interpretation of Palladian architecture, known as Burlingtonadian, which was known to have some influence on English architecture in the 16th century. As tailoring moved into the street, the house frontages were altered to bring natural light into the tailor's working area with the addition of glass frontages and light wells. The houses have been much altered over time. The original Burlingtononian design has been mostly lost, though number 14 still retains much of the original external features. When the Royal Geographical Society occupied number one, they built a glass-roofed map room in the courtyard and a small astronomical observatory on the roof and new portico, which may be the basis for the current appearance of the facade. Several of the buildings on Savile Row are listed in the National Heritage List for England. Savile Row's reputation is built on bespoke tailoring, where each suit is made to individually fit. The term bespoke, which has a meaning developing from to exclaim, though disused in advance, is generally understood to mean made to order. 
it became associated with fine tailoring, with tailors claiming that the term has been in common use for tailoring since the 17th century. Savile Row tailors argue that bespoke in relation to tailoring is understood to mean a suit cut and made by hand. However, after a ruling in the Advertising Standards Authority in 2008, the term may now also be applied to machine-sewed garments, providing they are made to measure. Customers of the Golden Mile of tailoring have included Lord Nelson, Napoleon III, Winston Churchill, Prince Charles, Charlie Watts and Jude Law. The founder of Pakistan used to order his suits direct from Savile Row. But though it is sometimes reported that Ian Fleming in his character James Bond bought suits in Savile Row, there is no evidence for this in the novels. Both Fleming and the Bond character wore sites designed by non-Savile Row tailors, in particular Anthony Sinclair of nearby Conduit Street. Tailors affected by the affluent and influential nature of the residents of Savile Row started to open businesses in the area in the late 18th century. First in Cork Street, about 1790, then in 1803 in Savile Row itself. None of those original tailors survive today, though Henry Poole and Co, who, through Edward VII's patronage, helped make the street fashionable, still have a presence in Savile Row. Poole moved the company into 32 Savile Row in 1846, following the death of his father James Poole, and the company is now at number 15. Henry Poole is credited as the creator of the dinner jacket when he made a smoking jacket for the young Edward VII in 1860. Tailoring was softened in the early 20th century by Frederick Short when he developed the English drape for the Duke of Windsor. Short's dress soft style was developed into the London cut, the house style of Anderson and Shepherd, and by Per Anderson, a protege of Short. The London cut is a high small armhole with generous upper sleeve that permits the jacket to remain close to the neck, while freeing the arm to move with comfort. Though the reputation of tailoring on Savile Row for bespoke suits, ready-to-wear clothes were introduced by Greaves and Hawks, a company formed in 1974 by the merger of two separate businesses who both date from the late 19th century. Greaves, a Royal Navy tailor founded in Portsmouth, and Hawks, a London-based cap maker and tailor to the British Army. Hardy Amy's Limited further broadened the scope and appeal of tailoring in Savile Row. In 1961, he staged the first men's ready-to-wear catwalk shows at the Ritz Hotel in London. He designed costumes for the 1966 England World Cup team and for the 1968 film 2001 Space Odyssey and dressed the Queen, designing the gown for her use in the Silver Jubilee portrait in 1977. Hardy Amis founded the company in 1946, converting the bombed-out shell of number 14. Amis sold the business to the Luxury Brands Group and retired in 2001, but went into administration in 2008 when it was bought by Fung Capital. Sadly, it went back into administration in 2018, but on this occasion no buyer was found and the house was closed. Modernisation of tailoring continued in 1969 with Nutters of Savile Row. Nutters of Savile Row was opened on Valentine's Day 1969 by Tommy Nutter and Edward Sexton, who had worked together at Donaldson, Williamson and Ward. Financially backed by Cilla Black and Peter Brown of the Beatles' Apple Corps, Nutters used bold window displays, created by the then-unknown Simon Doonan, and clients included the Beatles, Mick Jagger, Elton John and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Nutter left the company in 1976 and went to work at Kilgore. He died in 1992. However, Terry Haste, cutter at Tommy Nutter, continues with John Kent, holder of the Royal Warrant for the Duke of Edinburgh, nearby at 7 Sackville Street. Modernisation had slowed by the early 1990s. Savile Row tailors were struggling to find relevance with an audience that had grown increasingly disassociated. 
three tailors, Oswald Boateng, Timothy Everest, an apprentice of Nutter's, and Richard James, then became known for revitalizing the bespoke style for the modern market, having each broken away independently from the Savile Row mold. Public relations professional Alison Hargraves coined the term New Bespoke Movement to describe collectively the work of this new generation of tailors. Interest reached a peak in 1997 when the three were featured together in Vanity Fair. The newcomers altered their shop fronts and used marketing and publicity to their advantage. Challenging the traditional Savile Row styling, they brought twists and a fine sense of colour to bespoke suits. They were seen to push the envelope of modern suit making and bespoke active wear, creating more contemporary silhouettes with bolder fabrics, and set out to attract celebrity clients, sell their clothing via supermarket chains, and attract wider national and international custom, raising the profile of their new tailoring style. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look back at Savile Row, its formation up to today. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any other places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, www.londonvisited.co.uk or through our social media. It's that easy. Thank you for listening and really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.